Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 3 of The Mark. My name is Andy Jessup, I am your host today. Today we are marking out for the WWE pay-per-view that happened on Sunday Clash of Champions. If you are new to the show, a very warm welcome to you. Uh, This is a show where we like to talk about things that pique our interest. Uh, The Mark, or a Mark, is a uh, wrestling jargon used for the fans of professional wrestling. Um, So when we say we are marking out for something, it means that we're a fan of that thing. So today, a big wrestling fan here. Wrestling is a huge part of my life. And we are going to be talking about Clash of Champions. If you joined us on episode two, you did have my good friend. You did see and hear my good friend, Jacob Uhaz. We went through the card, gave us our pickums, and we kind of had a friendly bet on the card, which was a lot of fun. I am going to be wanting to talk about wrestling a lot on this show. I am going to hopefully be doing a weekly review of the week's events. There is a lot to cover with WWE, three franchises through the WWE and AEW. But tonight, because of the pay-per-view, I am going to be talking primarily about the, the pay-per-view and also touching on some things that were relevant to this week's programming as well. And we might talk a little bit about NXT at the end. So the Cruiserweight Championship kicked off the show. Uh, Drew Gulak versus Umberto Carrillo. I probably said that wrong again. And also Lindsay Dorado was a triple threat match. Drew Gulak was your champion, champion going into the match. Cruiserweight Championship is normally put on on the pre-show, mainly because it does tend to get the crowd going. It is normally a very high-action, high-paced, fast-paced, action-packed match, normally lasting 10-15 minutes. This was not the case today, or on Sunday. I felt it was a very slow start to begin with and picked up at the end, but it was a very clunky finish. I will get on to the finish in a minute, but one thing I will say is it tended to be a one-man-in, one-man-out thing. WWE has a tendency, in my view, to have a very typical triple threat match where only two people are in the fight and the other guy likes to take a snooze on the outside, and it was very evident. I think I saw at some point, I actually saw one of the performers looking around to see if it was his turn. It does get very distracting. So at the end of the match... It was very really clunky. There was an Aztec press by Carrillo on Lindsay Dorado, which looked like a bit of a botch, to be honest to me. And then um, Carrillo was thrown in the ring by Gulak, who then did a roll-up on Dorado, and Gulak got the win. Like I said, I felt it was a very slow match. Not, not high pace at all, though it did tend to pick up at the end, like I did say. Um, it could have been a lot better to get the crowd going. If you don't know, 205 Live um, is rumored to be going away soon um, because NXT is going to two hours. They need some content to fill, and Triple H has been said that the Cruiserweight belt might become an exclusive to that brand. So that'll be interesting to see, and Gulak winning was probably the right choice to be going into the NXT show with that. We did see uh, last night, um, a number one contendership match against Oni Lorkin and Leo Rush. Leo Rush won that. 
not too sure of my feelings on that right now because uh, Leo Rush has a lot of backstage heat and a lot of attitude problems. So hopefully he's figured those out. We'll see. Second match of the night was the US title match. This was also on the pre-show. Why did this go to the pre-show? AJ Styles and Cedric Alexander are not pre-show people. They should be on the on the main card. With a push you're trying to give Cedric Alexander, you don't put him on the pre-show. You put the raw women you put the women's tag team on the pre-show. Nobody cares about that. But it did go on the pre-show. Again, Cedric Alexander is from Charlotte, North Carolina, where they had the show. If he went over, if he won, I can see why. Get the crowd going. But it wasn't, so I don't know why this went to pre-show. Funny thing, right at the beginning, the referee did hold the title belt upside down. I found that very moving, uh, amusing. You're going to see a theme throughout the show. Um... A lot of the matches started very fast. A lot of high spots, a lot of high moves. And, and that was uh, the case of Sergio Alexander. He went straight into a Minchinoko driver. It looks like he was desperate to get all the spots in right at the start. He, like, he had like two minutes to get every spot that he does in. Flying over the top rope, the Minchinoko driver, everything. Boom, done. And then a Styles Clash on the floor kind of leveled it. And AJ was working at a, a slower pace um, today. I think a heel move for AJ works because heels can work at a slower pace. And AJ, um, being being a little bit older than most, um, and it, a, a, a slower pace works for him maybe so he can pace himself out throughout the match. He does normally work a faster match. But today was a, um, a slower pace match for, for AJ when he was working, when he was in control. And I, like I said, I think that was good for him. Right at the end, there was phenomenal forearm into the Styles Clash. Very good phenomenal forearm. Uh, Cedric Alexander killed that. He really sold his ass off on that one. And then it um, ended up with an, oh, with an OC beatdown, which was very predictable. But it begs the question, what's next for Cedric Alexander? My question is, I don't know. I know Paul Heyman is high on him. I know he wants to do a bit of a slow burn on him. But to lose clean is kind of a definitive way of ending him. And he didn't really have a good outing on Raw either. So maybe that's the end of Cedric's run. We'll see. I would like to see him get the uh, US title. Maybe it's where they can uh, get back to that hell in the cell. Although I don't think their title warrants being in their feud warrants being in Hell in a Cell. So then we get to the main show. It starts with the Raw Tag Team Championship. Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins versus Bobby Roode, or Robert Roode, and Dolph Ziggler. Made sense to start this off considering Braun and Seth did have another match together at the end of the show. Gives them time to rest and um, spread some story out through that. Tag team started with Braun and Robert in the, mat, in the ring together. Typical big man stuff on the small man. Um, very run-of-the-mill tag team. Ziggler cuts Rollins off and uh, they work on Rollins for a little bit. Braun gets your hot tag. And uh, it kept going. Seth and um, Robert Roode did have decent uh, 
chemistry. They had really good chemistry together. And I'm wondering if that could be a case of uh, Robert being the next person for Seth on the Universal Championship. I did like the way they worked together. Sometimes in tag team matches, it is hard to... To, to get a full view of what people are like. But then in other ways, in tag team matches, you can kind of see maybe two or three minutes what it's like to work with someone. I felt they had a decent chemistry. So we'll see how that goes too. Um, at the end of the match, it was a brawn shoulder barge from on Robert Roode into Seth. The usual miscommunication mumbo-jumbo WWE like to do in tag teams where they're not partners and have some beef with each other a real glorious DDT on Rollins ended up with the win for Ziggler and Rude end of the match Bourne walked out pissed Seth looked pissed and that was it and then Bourne says backstage Seth Seth is on a losing streak and will get these hands honestly I don't know what the point of that was it didn't really create anything didn't really create any additional heat for the main event. Didn't feel like that was a story going into the main event that was there. I really didn't understand what that was about. It, it kind of felt like a bit of a waste of time. In, in my opinion. The next you had the SmackDown Women's Championship. Charlotte versus Becky. Uh, Bailey. Bailey is your champion here to begin with. Big boot from Charlotte. Charlotte was dominant for... Majority of the match, there was only three or four defensive moves from Bailey. At the end of the match, the finish was Bailey calls to the corner, takes off the turnbuckle pad, and then wins as Charlotte falls into it. Very much a chicken shit heel. Um, Bailey is not a tweener. There can be no great areas with Bailey. They seem to be doing this. Is she good? Is she bad? Is she kind of in the middle? She can be. It doesn't work for her. It can work for some people. Kevin Owens, it can work for. Daniel Bryan, maybe it can work for. Bailey's either good or bad. There's no, there's no in-between. She's either face or heel. With the way she finished the match tonight, she needs to be heel. As heel as heel can get. There's, there's no other way for it. This was a good start down that route for me. And they need to ride that all the way as far as they can. SmackDown tag team was next. Xavier Woods and Big E being your new day against the revival of Scott Dawson and the other guy, Dash Wilder, whose name I always, always forget. Woods and Wilder started. There's a random crowd pop in the middle of this match for some reason, and I'm not sure why. In fact, the crowd, this show, were relatively well behaved, but relatively quiet. Uh, they did get a This Is Awesome in the Cruiserweight match. And they did get a very half-hearted, half-hearted um, This Is Awesome in the final match of the show. Other than that, there was nothing. There was no AEW chance I could hear, which was good to hear. No CM Punk chance either. So that was good. Um, again, run-of-the-mill WWE tag team. Isolate one guy. You get the hot tag. Hot tag this time was on Woods, though. Xavier Woods doesn't normally do the hot tag because it's normally on Big E because of his power and his strength. It's a very good hot tag. I do like Woods as a hot tag. feel they should do that more. Um, Shattered Machine on Big E. And it was a great heel win working Xavier's leg. 
And then the Revival won and took the belt, which is a surprise for most. And they cut a decent promo at the end, saying New Day's reign was over. We then went from one tag team to the other tag team, which was the women's tag team match. Um, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville versus Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. When they walked out to the ring, they, uh, especially with Mandy and Sonya, it was literally four bars of Mandy's theme tune, four bars of Sonya's, four bars of Mandy's, four bars of Sonya's. I'm not a fan of rat tag teams without music. They need their own music. Use one or the other if you have to. It's fine. Preferably Sonya Deville's, because I think that's kick-ass. But anyway. And then Nikki and uh, Alexa did the same thing. Match started with Nikki and Mandy in the ring. There's a story being told there where Mandy is bullying Nikki because Mandy is more beautiful than Nikki. Nikki mocks Mandy. She does some uh, sexual gyration, much to Corey Graves' dismay. Uh, we had a random 24-7 run out, which Bliss, Bliss nearly gets a <laughs> pinch truth and gets the, uh, to get the 24-7 belt, but that did not happen. Nikki got your hot tag, and Nikki, Nikki pins Mandy. Very predictable stuff. The question is, is what's going on with the women's tag team? Literally... Every every champion every team has had a go at this in the nine months since um, Elimination Chamber in March that it's been going. Um, you've had three champions, and you've gone through all your tag teams. The Kabuki Warriors are next, and then what? What happens then? I uh, they need to get more tag teams. Maybe from NXT. I don't know, but actual tag teams. Because this thing's dead in the water right now, in my opinion. And they need, they need to fix that fast. Next up, Intercontinental Bell. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura versus The Miz. A uh, face Miz. Face Miz I like, but I think he's getting very bland right now. I'm not sure what's going on. He needs a bit of a pep in his step. He needs something. Uh, Sammy came out selling the injury. Introduced Shinsuke with a cape. Not sure what that was about. Um, and then Miz came out, revealed his shirt, his uh, blue shirt to be as Tar Heels colors. They are in Charlotte, so Tar Heels is the, is the team over there, University of Carolina. Although I'm not sure what the Duke fans thought of that one. Um, Tam- Sammy did the whole talking on the mic thing during the bout. I don't like that. I actually found Sammy to be very distracting in this. Because he, he's a very animated person. I felt like it kind of took away from the match a bit. Um, Miz throws the mic away. Which is great. Um, you had your regular Sami Zayn. He or shenanigans on the outside. Which cost uh, Miz the match with a Kinshasa from Nakamura. Again, run of the mill. Nothing inspiring. Um, they need to get the belt on Miz as soon as they can. Hopefully with a heel turn in that, which will be fantastic. Um, but Nakamura's not doing anything for that championship. That Intercontinental belt used to be so important. And as they're after Jericho's uh, record as soon as they can, they need to put importance back on that thing. 
now we're into the um, the main championship bouts, starting with the war, the war women's championship. Um, Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks. Honestly, I miss Becky as steampunk Becky. I think that's a much better look for her. That's my opinion. Um, this was a slobber knocker, as JR would say, from the start. Um, I do know that those two have legitimate heat. They do not like each other in real life. So when you could tell that, um, not just in the story they were telling, but in their, their actual body language, Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks do not like each other. Um, the story was told that they can't put each other away. And they did all they could. They had to resort to um, weapons in the end. The ref got... Um, Got a, took a bump on the shoulder, which somehow with a chair from Becky, which somehow knocked him out. Hitting your shoulder knocks you out, apparently. And then they went up into the crowd. They went up into the concourse, back down into the crowd, and then it was revealed that Becky Lynch was disqualified. Um, if you follow the story being told on SmackDown, we shame it, man. That should be a hundred thousand dollar fine as well. But we don't do logic in the WWE, do we, people? So that's probably not going to happen. Sasha Banks looks in great shape, I will say. And I'm not saying that from a pervy way. She just looks like she's really uh, slimmed down and put on some muscle. And I think it's great. It's a great look for her. That blue hair is great. Um, this was definitely a build-up to Hell on the Cell. There's no other... No other way to make that happen. It was decent. It was fine for what it was. They told a good story. And uh, I really think Sasha won that one. Um, no, she didn't. I'm sorry. She won it, but Becky got disqualified. So Becky retains. Uh, Sasha will probably take that off her at Hell in the Cell. Then get your WWE Championship match on the men's side. Kofi Kingston versus Randy Orton. I love... Randy Orton, when he's invested, it shows, puts for a better quality match. Although this was still a typical Randy Orton, slow and methodical match. Uh, not a whole lot going on there. Um, it, was, uh, it was just a Randy Orton match. What can I say? But there seems to be when he's invested and he wants to be there like he, he was in this, there was a different quality to it. And, and you could tell in his selling and the way he was putting on moves. Um, the story of speed versus, myth um, versus the methodical. Randy, like I said, is a very methodical worker. Kofi Kingston, very fast. It was great. Um, Trouble in Paradise is the most protective move in the WWE right now. And uh, he used it on Randy Orton to beat Randy clean. Um, Kofi Kingston is becoming a legitimate champion. He really is. Um, beating Orton in the way he did uh, shows that. Next up for him is Brock Lesnar um, at SmackDown in a couple of weeks. Um, I don't think Brock Lesnar is going to be on TV full time. I really don't. Um, so I do think that that could be um, that could be a win for Kofi. I know I'm very high on Kofi. Uh, my listeners who uh, follow me on 
um, various social media know how much I think Kofi should retain. Maybe this will be it. Maybe this will be the one to legitimize him. Who knows? One beef I had with the match was Corey Graves. I'm not a big Corey Graves fan as it is. He did sound very salty tonight. He put Randy Orton over hard. Almost to the point of almost giving the game away. And I felt that was not cool. I felt they should have uh, slimmed down on that a little bit and, and kind of toned down on that. One of my beefs with um, Cash of Champions is the King of the Ring tournament wasn't on there. Um, if it's Clash of Champions, that should be there. Instead, they put Rowan, uh, Roman Reigns versus Eric Rowan on instead. Uh, before I go into that match, I honestly think this should have been the King of the Ring match. And Rowan and Roman should have been the match um, on, on Raw. Everything I'm about to go through was, in my view, not, not special enough for a pay-per-view. They could have done everything. They could have told the exact same story um, on Monday Night Raw and not lost anything and not harm the integrity of a show called Clash of Champions where you should have had your King of the Ring crowned there. So Roman versus uh, Rowan was a no-DQ match. Um, Rowan's got some really good music now. I'm glad they've done that. Again, another fast start. Uh, Roman doesn't even let Rowan get to the ring. That's going to be a mouthful to say. Roman Rowan doesn't let him get to the ring um, very soon. Rowan uses his muscles um, to get take control of the match. He outmuscles Reigns. Um, one thing can be said. You can say what you like about Roman Reigns. Guy sells his rear end off for you. Makes you look a star. Uh, and that was the case tonight as well. Sold everything Rowan threw at him and it was great. Uh, match goes into the crowd. Trash cans are dumped. Um, gets back in the ring. Roman kicks out of a su- Rowan kicks out of a Superman punch. It's very rare for Superman punch gets ki- um, kicked out of. You know they're onto something special there. Um, went back into the crowd. Some shenanigans on the stage with camera equipment. Um, again, trying to make Rowan look a beast. And then Luke Harper came out. With the assist to help Rowan win. Um, So with Rowan and Harper. Now being billed as your big man. And Braun Strowman being billed as your big man. I'm wondering if this is the alternative WWE are offering. Um, In the WCW wars. In the Monday Night Wars. WCW didn't have a lot of big men. Sure you had your Kevin Nash's. And you had your, uh, your your giants, your Paul Whites. But the, the, the difference was WWE, WWF, they had, they had big men. That was their thing. That was the main difference was it was big men doing big men things. Um, and I'm wondering if the alternative WWE are going to offer to AEW is they have the big men. AEW have Luchasaurus and that's about it. Uh, um, they don't really have a lot of big men. So I'm wondering if that's going to be the difference maker here. That's going to be your option. If you want big men, watch WWE. If you want, if you want small men, watch AEW. So I'm wondering if that's the push that, um, for, if that's the reason for the push with Rowan Harper and 
drawn right now. Finally, the Universal Championship. Seth freaking Rollins versus Braun Strowman. Their second outing of the night. Again, fast, a fast start from Seth on to no Braun started with a big boot, and then Seth had a really big start with a lot of lot of a uh, lot of high spots at the beginning. Uh, Braun got sent through a table. Uh, Seth did his obligatory suicide dive. He cannot not do a match without doing a suicide dive. Uh, he needs to save those. He'll either hurt himself or somebody. Um, they just, they're just not special anymore. It's like, oh, suicide dive. Seth needs to, needs to rein those in. Um, Braun Strowman jumped off a rope. That was, uh, that was pretty awesome. Seeing Braun Strowman jump off a rope. Bit hairy. He almost looked like he'd fall off it. Um, and it took Seth four stumps. Uh, four stumps to win the, and retain. Um, Corey Graves said um, after the third stump, we've never seen that before. I think they did. I do believe Brock Lesnar took five stomps before he uh, tapped out at um, Survivor Series. I, I will have to double check on that. Um, but some of us do pay attention to WWE, believe it or not. Seth wins, goes up to the top of the ramp. Um, they throw you a curveball with the... Uh, with the, the credit sticker at the bottom. And then coming up next. Then The Fiend came out. Um, Sister Abigail on Seth. And then lights went out. Lights went back on. Um, he had him in position for the mandible claw. Seth again sold his rear end off for that. Seth is such a good seller. He's, such, he's so good. He's better than people give him credit for. He really do. Um, I just wish he'd keep his mouth shut a bit more. <laughs> um, he's not the best in the world. He's maybe possibly bottom end of the top 10, but he's not the best in the world. He's the best in the WWE um, as, a, as a complete performer. Um, I think The Fiend is the best character right now. Uh, we'll have to see where that goes. Not happy that The Fiend has taken... Um, has only done one match and is already in um, a, a championship match. He needs to go through more people. And I know Bray Wyatt's been around forever and this is still Bray Wyatt. Um, but when you've got a new character, you almost need to do a hard reset. Um, Fiend, to me, the Fiend needs to go through the entire roster. Just appearing in matches, taking people out, disappearing. Um, in the Royal Rumble, just halfway through the Rumble, just appear, take out a few people, disappear again. That's what needs to happen. The, you need to be scared of The Fiend. Uh, the Fiend should not be motivated by, by a gold. You even do this point, this thing where he comes out, takes out our truth picks up the, cha- the title, and just drops it on, on truth and walks out. Um... Fiend should not be motivated by gold, which means the Fiend should not be in Hell of the Cell yet. Uh, save that. Save that for a special moment like WrestleMania. Maybe against Alistair Black. I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, I thought it was a very good pay-per-view. Um, did feel like it didn't hit uh, full gear, though. I feel um, feel like they kind of played it safe a little bit. 
Um, bookings, for the most part, stayed out of the way and let the wrestlers do their thing. But it didn't hit Top Gear. There was a lot more to give in that, I felt, especially in the Cruiserweight match, um, especially in Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was a good pay-per-view overall. Um, Raw and SmackDown this week were okay. Uh, a lot of the things that happened on Raw this week was just pointless. I think there was only three things that happened on Raw that were that had a point to it, mainly centered around uh, Seth Rollins and The Fiend. SmackDown was decent. Um, Brock Lesnar, like I said, um, made an appearance on SmackDown, which is very rare. Challenged Kofi, Kofi accepted. That's going on um, on their first show on Fox. It's just there for a ratings pop. Um, like I said, I, th- I really think Kofi could win that. There's a high possibility he could. And it will... Um, It'll be good for him. He needs to win to legitimize him as a champion and not just someone who's got a golden watch for years of service. Last night, we saw the debut of NXT on the USA channel. Again, they played it safe. The, the women's match was a barn burner at the beginning. Four people. Candice LeRae won. Made sense in the grand scheme of things because the other three have had a title shot against the... Um, um, forgot her first name, Baszler, um, Shayna Baszler, and um, made sense for Candice LeRae. Um, I don't think she'll take it off her. I still think that's going to be Rhea Ripley. Then you had Velveteen Dream versus Roderick Strong. Again, for, for those two, it was a very safe match. Kind of didn't really hit out of third gear. I don't know if that's just for the TV audience. The Dream did seem to be a little bit diluted in his appearance and his presentation. Um, I can get why. I understand why, especially when you're introducing him to a crowd that aren't used to him. You don't want it to be full on whack just yet. Um, But the match itself was diluted as well, and I, I didn't like that. I felt like it, they could have they could have worked at a faster pace, which we're used to, which we've seen those two do together. We know they can do that. So I don't know why they didn't. That would have got people talking. Um, Undisputed Era used distraction and shenanigans to get their belt, and now they're dripping in gold. Can't wait to see where they go with that. They will probably be in war games again. Um, they had an appearance from Walter um, against um, Kushida. Um, setting up for um, AEW when they go head-to-head with AEW. And uh, Leah Rush, like I said, is now your number one contender. And then at the end, Matt Riddle versus Killian Dane in a match that just ended in pure pure mayhem. <laughs> they went outside. Walter and his cronies were outside. Forgotten Sons were outside. They bumped into them. And all of a sudden, the entire NXT roster starts fighting for reasons. Um, Mauro Ranello is about to have a heart attack, as he does. Love Mauro Ranello. Um, it's so good to hear him on commentary when he's free to do his own thing. We listen to Michael Cole and Tom Phillips, and they're almost identical. So, yeah, love Renault. Well, that was it, folks. That was my recap of the wrestling this week. Hope you enjoyed it. 
Um, leave, uh, send me comments. Uh, let me know what you thought. I do have a Patreon set up now. It is under the name The Mark. If you liked it, head over to Patreon. Throw a few dollars in the, in the tip jar. It will uh, buy me my beer for the week. You all have a good night and I'll talk to you tomorrow or next time.